Michael Vonnen. Welcome to the Tolkien Lore Channel. I'm the Tolkien Geek. And in this video, I want to do something a little bit different. This is kind of more of a background video to a lot of videos that I'll be doing. Um, basically, what I want to talk about is how, how I approach watching the Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings movies. And the reason I want to do this video, and I kind of should have done it before some of the other videos I've already done, but the Peter Jackson movies have, you know, some really good stuff about them. There's some really disappointing things about them. And Lord of the Rings purists, the one who know the book really well and really want it to be one of the movies to live up to that, have a lot of gripes. And the people who don't know anything about the books, you know, either like it or dislike it based on its merits as a movie per se. And so in this video, what I wanted to do is basically talk about how I kind of approach that that question because it does kind of play into how I think of you know the good and bad aspects of the movies themselves. So I'm going to start off with the negative side and then I'm going to go to the positive side and then I'm going to talk about how I kind of reconcile those and come to a coherent single view of how I approach it when I watch those movies. So let's get started. So the negative side, obviously if you are a purist, and I am a purist, um, watching the movies leaves a lot to be desired because there are many, many things from the books that are either completely left out or radically changed that significantly diminish the, the value of what you're getting out of the story. Um, some of the characters are very different, and... I mean, you, if you've seen my videos on Farmer, for instance, that's that's a big one. Um, there's others as well. There's there's a lot. So the purest aspect of me, in fact, the funny thing is, whenever I first saw the movies, I enjoyed them immensely as movies. But after each one of those movies came out and I saw it in theaters, I probably bugged my family to death because I would complain about all the things that were wrong with the movies. Now. I understand that in a story of the scope that the Lord of the Rings has, you're going to have to leave some things out if you're going to turn this into a trilogy. The only way you really could have made it a complete story, probably, is to make it into a longer series of movies or a TV miniseries. If you did it a TV miniseries, the quality probably wouldn't have been nearly as good, and so you don't really expect that. So, for instance... I didn't complain too much that Tom Bombadil was not in the Fellowship of the Rings movie. I kind of expected he wouldn't be. I mean, Tom Bombadil is a weird episode already in the story, very hard to translate to cinema without slowing down the action too much for a movie-going audience to really want to get into. So, I mean, I, that I wasn't too upset about, but there were other things in the Fellowship that I was, you know really upset about that they changed or, or deleted or whatever. So, you know, from a purist point of view, there's definitely a lot to complain about. Looking back after watching all three movies, especially the extended editions, multiple times and having reread the book a couple times since they came out, I think The Fellowship, in terms of accuracy, is the best of the three there are definitely still problems. Like I said, I mean, it leaves out Tom Bombadil. It even leaves out a chapter or two around Tom Bombadil. 
So there's a lot that gets deleted from the Fellowship of the Rings, but it, again, that's kind of understandable given how much they had to cram into these things and they ended up being really long as it is. So, but what they left in the Fellowship, I think, is still more accurate, at least to the spirit of the stories, than what comes in the Two Towers and the, and the Return of the King. So, but the problem is, from Pyrrha's point of view, the Fellowship is still really low on the totem pole of what it could have been in terms of accuracy. There's a lot of things that could have been improved that were changed for apparently no reason. One small example, um, the attack of the ring rates on Weathertop. In the book, the fire that uh, Frodo wants the Hobbits to put out was actually suggested by Strider, who never left the Hobbits in the first place, because he said fire is their only friend in the wilderness and that the ring rates hate fire. So they completely 180 that scene for no real reason other than, I guess, to provide a little bit of suspense for the fact that you've got the four hobbits up against five ring wraiths with no strider there to protect them until he jumps in at the last minute and saves the day. And it's stupid. It's, it's, you know, I mean, the way it was written and the way it was done is itself a good, you know, way of telling the story that would have worked on in the movie too, but they changed it. I mean, and it's little things like that. There's a lot of little things like that that add up over time and you realize you know, the Fellowship of the Ring is a good movie, but my goodness, they just changed so much. And then you get to the Two Towers and then Return of the King, and it gets worse because they start in the Two Towers. Probably the biggest gripe is they spend an enormous amount of time on flashback scenes and scenes with Arwen and Elrond. You know, all this material about Arwen that they really take up a lot of time, and you don't even actually get through the entirety of the Two Towers. The Two Towers is supposed to take you through not only the end of the Battle of Helm's Deep, it's also supposed to take you right up through Shelob and Frodo's capture by the orcs of Kirithungal. That doesn't come in the movies until the Return of the King, and a fairly significant way into it at that. So, I mean, they left out a ton of material from the Two Towers and squeezed it into the Return of the King so that they could put in a bunch of stuff that's not even in the original story, and that's, again, contrary to the story. The idea that Arwen actually would have left because Elrond guilt-tripped her, the fact that Elrond is guilt-tripping her is itself terrible. I mean, you get, it just gets really bad in a lot of different ways. So the purist in me totally revolts at all these things. But there are some saving graces about the movie, and let me, movies, and let me talk about those. So, what's good about the movies? Accuracy to the book is not one of the high points. They do have some good, you know, representations of scenes from the books in the movies, but by and large, if you were judging it just on accuracy, meh. On a purely movie level, though, they are really good. There are a couple scenes, especially in the extended edition of The Return of the King and The Two Towers, I want to say, um, where the acting slash direction slash believability of what's going on is stretching just a little bit. Um, the one that really stands out in my head is the one um, in the Return of the King extended edition where Frodo and Sam get, uh, they're still disguised as orcs and they get taken along with a group of orcs 
that are headed toward the Black Gate to meet Aragorn's army. That is an accurate thing, but the way they escape is completely inaccurate to the book. And not only is it not accurate to the book, it's totally unbelievable because in the book, what happens is two groups meet at a crossroads. Each one wants to go first because they want to just finish their journey. And then the the uh, the two groups start fighting and they escape in the confusion. In the movie, you get they they start a fight themselves, become the center of attention, and then something draws the attention of the of the leader of that group away, and then they walk off while all the orcs could still just see them. It makes no sense. There are a few terrible scenes like that, but by and large. Viewed as movies, they're actually quite good. And, I mean, it's not just in terms of, you know, the, the production quality is obviously very high. If you watch some of the the appendices that come with the extended editions of the movies, you get to see all the huge amount of detail they put into the props, the, the sets, and all these different things that, you know, you never even really see on screen. And so there's a huge amount of production quality there. Again, that's just something you probably wouldn't get in a miniseries, which probably would have been required to really get all the material in. So, I mean, that's that's kind of a good thing. Um, the production quality, you've got great acting talent. Some of these guys have not been big actors on the American scene, and some of them have had you know fairly major roles. Viggo Mortensen, for instance, who plays Aragorn, did several other things before this, but he was never, you know, as far as I'm aware, he was not really a household name because he never had a huge A-list role that really put him on the map. Um, and the great thing about it is it's an ensemble cast. There is no single character who really outshines everybody, and the actors all kind of make that work because none of the actors are, you know, there's no Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt, or somebody else who's just going to completely draw your attention. They're all known, but not super well-known, and so it really works as an ensemble cast, too. I mean, there's a lot of different aspects of the way the movies were made and put together that really do work well. Um, so you've got production quality, you've got acting talent, you've got... Um, the direction was really good for the most part, too. I mean, like I said, there's there are some scenes... But, you know, there's some really, really, really well-directed scenes. The um, the internal debate between Smeagol and Gollum in that one scene in the Two Towers is really well done. Um, it's not 100% accurate to the book, but I think it does a really good job of kind of getting at what's going on inside Gollum's head, given the changes that they made to the, the overall storyline and, and his character development. So... It's a really well done scene, even though it's slightly different than the way the book does it. Um, so there's a lot of really good things going for them. So beyond, you know, a couple of pitfall scenes, it's mostly really good stuff. I mean, Fellowship of the Ring, after it came out on video, I loved it so much, despite my purest, <laughs> purest <laughs> mindset that uh, my family and I would watch it so often that I think we watched it close to 25 times in one year. Now remember, I'm talking about the, the I'm, this is, some of those were the original theatrical cut, this is before we even knew there was going to be an extended cut, but even after the extended cut came out, 
watch that over and over too. I mean, 25 times in a year, and the movie is over three hours long. It's one of the longest movies, you know, up to its time. And then it was beaten by, you know, its own sequels. And that's another thing, too. Another good thing about these movies is that they did bring back sort of a a willingness on the part of Hollywood to really make epics. You know, epics kind of went away after the age of the golden age of Hollywood where you had Ben-Hur and, you know, other really big movies like that. And they hadn't really been done much since then. And now that Lord of the Rings had its success, you can see a lot more bigger epic style movies coming along. And it's, it's a really good thing in far, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and you can also tell that they're good movies because by the end of the, when you get to Return of the King, it finally won all the Oscars. I mean, it was a clean sweep. I think it was kind of unjust that they only gave the piddling little Oscars that they gave to Fellowship and Two Towers because they were both also really well done. But I think they were kind of politicking there and didn't want to give them all the Oscars three years in a row. You know, but the point is, I mean, they're really good movies and they deserve the Oscars that they got. So anyway, that's kind of the idea is these movies are, as movies, really excellent. So now let me talk about whenever I watch these movies, how do I get past the purism and just enjoy them? Let's talk about that. So the way I kind of bring all this together into one cohesive view of watching the movies I like to think of the movies as not so much the books in shorthand because they are different. They change a lot of things and they leave out a lot of things. I like to think of them as shorthand reminders of the books. If I could read the books in the amount of time that it takes to watch the movies, I would probably read the book two or three times a year because I love it that much. Now, eventually I'd probably stop reading it that many times and that's good because I don't want to bore myself with it but the point is whenever I watch the movies I can see things and go that's different than the book but I can enjoy it as a movie and remember how good it was in the book and get kind of both elements of pleasure at the same time so I can enjoy it in the move as a movie in one side of my head and the other side of my head I can go and the book was so much better you know, instead of complaining to myself about, you know, why didn't they do X? I've just kind of, you know, backed off and said, you know what? It is what it is. We have Lord of the Rings movies. They are what they are. I'm just going to enjoy them as they are. And then, you know, when they come to that scene where this happens, I'm going to remember how it was in the book and just kind of imagine that that's how it's really happening. So that's how I approach it is, um, you know, there are some scenes where it's really hard to do that. Like I said, there's some scenes that just aren't even well done. And there are some scenes that just drive me nuts every time. And if you've seen my videos about Farmer, you know the changes to Farmer's character drives me nuts. But that being said, I can still remember whenever I see those scenes how much better the books are and remember in my mind, you know, this is the stuff that actually goes on in the book and it's not quite so bad as just watching the movie and, and knowing that it's wrong, it's knowing that it's wrong, but also remembering what's right and what's so awesome about the books. So 
that's how I approach watching the movies, and that colors a lot of things that will be in later videos. I'm going to be doing a whole lot of videos comparing the movies to the books, and that's one of the reasons why I want to do this video is because in some of those videos I'm going to be talking about some of the good things about the movies, and I'm going to be talking about it in kind of that spirit. There are a lot of things where Peter Jackson changed things but he changed it in a way that for a movie makes some good sense and it still makes for a good not adaptation. Well, I'm sorry, I should say not not a representation of what's in the book, but a good adaptation of what's in the book. Um, I'm going to do a video before too long of what I think are some of the best scenes from the movies. And it's going to be a, a video on scenes that I think are most that best capture some of the really good elements from Tolkien's actual story. And it's not because they're the most accurate representations of what's in Tolkien's story, because they some of those scenes that I have in mind do change some things up. But they're well done. They're still in the same spirit as Tolkien's original story. And it's it's done in such a way that it doesn't, it, it makes sense in the movie as opposed to in a, in a written form. And so that's kind of where I'm going with this video that I'm in here is, you know, I can get the elements from the books in my memory, but based on watching the movie version, because I know enough in the back of my head that when it sparks that memory, I can go, Oh yeah. And that's, that's why I think these movies work really well, even if you're a purist. Now, I do know some purists out there who still, you know, just cannot stand it. You know, I know one guy in particular, and there's also Christopher Tolkien did an interview not too awful long ago, maybe a year or so ago, sometime in 2016, I think, where he basically complained about the movies not really living up to the original story. And certainly his, his complaints are legitimate. And I'm not going to downplay that at all. I mean, his his complaints are similar to mine in a lot of ways. But I think for a modern audience who is not nearly as into reading, <laughs> and especially reading epic novels as um, somebody of Christopher Tolkien's time period would be, and there are still people like that, obviously. I'm one of them. But for a more modern audience, I can understand why the movies are made, why they are to appeal to those people. So anyway, that's the way that I look at watching the movies because that's how, that's how I can get the most enjoyment out of it. And honestly, there's just – it's hard to read the book over and over again even though you want to. But it's a lot easier to find time to watch three, three of those movies in a row even though – by the end, you've spent 12 hours. It's still not as many hours as it would take to read the books. So that's the way I watch the movies. So I hope you found that at least somewhat interesting. And if you're one of those people out there who have issues with the movies for the same reasons that I have issues with the movies, maybe this will be a catalyst to help you watch the movies again in a way that lets you enjoy it more. Uh, if you've got any other particular views on how to approach the movies as a form of entertainment without ruining it for yourself because of what you know is wrong, 
you know, feel free to leave a comment if you've got any other ideas on this topic. Uh, if you like the video, please like and share. Please also subscribe. If you don't want to subscribe, you could also follow me on Twitter at JRRTLore. And until next time, I'm the Tolkien Geek signing out for the Tolkien Lore Channel. Namadier.